Ladies and gentlemen, your conference call is about to begin. Here is your moderator, Ms. Marilyn Stern. Thank you, Catherine. Welcome, everyone. I'm Marilyn Stern, Middle East Forum Board Member, serving as chair. Today we welcome Professor Ephraim Inbar, Director of the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies at Bar-Ilan University and a Shulman Ginsberg Writing Fellow at the Forum. Our topic, Is Israel More Accepted in the Middle East? It's common knowledge that Israel lives in what's called a tough neighborhood, but based upon news reports this past year, there's been increasing cooperation between Israel and its neighbors. Is this only out of political necessity, or is it finally an opening to normalization? Professor Imbar will brief us on how enduring is Israel's improved relationship with its neighbors in the region. Professor Inbar? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, good evening uh, for me here in Israel. And uh, I will uh, start actually with the most important uh, event, uh, regional event uh, that happened this week, and this is uh, the agreement between Turkey and Israel uh, for normalization of uh, relations. And uh, this agreement has uh, several uh, components, which uh, the bottom line is uh, that it is an agreement uh, which is good for Israel. Uh, there was uh, always a readiness to pay compensation. Uh, $20 million is for the Israeli economy uh, peanuts. We did apologize against my advice to the government, but it was not a clear ap apology. It was just, you know, sorry about operational mistakes. And this uh, seemed uh, eventually to be enough. And what is most important is that uh, there was a clear negative answer to the Turkish demand to remove uh, the naval blockade of Gaza, which affects, of course, uh, a national security interest uh, of Israel. Uh, nevertheless, it allows Turkey to bring humanitarian aid uh, to Gaza uh, via the Ashdod port, as we always uh, maintained. And uh, this uh, is not seen as a big Israeli concession. Israel has always been ready uh, to allow humanitarian aid uh, to, to the Gazans, despite the fact that uh, it strengthens the uh, regime, the Hamas regime in Gaza. But uh, I hope uh, you all know that uh, Israel uh, has no interest in uh, removing the Hamas regime uh, because the continuation of this regime is... Uh, serving the purpose of uh, weakening the Palestinian national movement that is uh, a clear uh, enemy uh, of Israel. Those that help uh, the uh, Palestinians, or particularly the Gazans, are basically uh, viewed uh, by Israel as uh, a Bolshevik term, you know, useful idiots. Uh, they are ready to give money to, uh, to Hamas and... Uh, Gesundheit, it's, uh, if they want to spend their money uh, for such a, a thing, it's, uh, it's okay because uh, Israel doesn't want, uh, you know, hungry neighbors. We understand that too much suffering there is a, could be a, a problem uh, for us. There is an energy dimension also to, to the agreement. Uh, it's, uh, it's not clear what it, this means. Uh, the agreement includes a clause that Israel is ready to sell uh, gas from the newly found uh, uh, gas in the Mediterranean to, uh, to Turkey. Uh, the Turks were very 
much interested in buying gas from us because it strengthens their role as an energy bridge to Europe. Uh, they themselves are in need of energy, and they want to uh, um, lower their dependence uh, on energy from Russia as well as uh, of, uh, from uh, Iran. Uh, but this is a long-range uh, uh, project, and uh, it is not clear uh, what will happen. Uh, if uh, we will build the pipeline to Turkey via Cyprus, which is not uh, self-evident, uh, we might become uh, hostages uh, of the uh, Turks uh, on the energy issue, which is not a positive development. Uh, the most important uh, achievement from an Israeli point of view is, of course, that uh, a very important Muslim state like Turkey has courted Israel and decided to upgrade its diplomatic relations uh, with Israel. Moreover, it's not just an important Muslim state. It is a state with a Muslim Brotherhood orientation. Uh, Erdogan is uh, a Turkish version of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, and this is significant. Even uh, a state with such an orientation understands that uh, uh, in the current uh, geopolitical reality, uh, cooperation with Israel uh, is needed. Uh, having said that, uh, it's quite clear to uh, most Israelis that we will not see any return to the intimacy of, uh, of the 90s in which uh, we sold weapons, there was very close uh, intelligence, uh, military cooperation between the two countries. Uh, this uh, is not going to happen uh, as long uh, as Erdogan uh, is uh, running uh, uh, Turkey. Um, I think this is also clear to our uh, uh, partners in the East Mediterranean, like Greece, Cyprus, and Egypt. Uh, all of them uh, do not like Erdogan. Uh, are afraid, uh, to some extent, of Turkey, an important country, a strong country. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they uh, prefer, if possible, to uh, bring in Turkey uh, into some kind of new architecture that will include all uh, uh, countries that are pro-status quo in uh, the East uh, Mediterranean. Uh, this uh, agreement, uh, also reflects uh, Israel's strong position uh, in the Middle East. Israel is definitely not uh, isolated. Uh, Turkey wants good relations uh, with, uh, with Israel. Another example, we've seen it even at the UN, you know, a morally bankrupt uh, institution where uh, uh, Danny Danone, our ambassador, was elected to chair a UN committee and basically uh, it's quite clear that four Arab countries voted uh, for, uh, together with Israel, which is the clear defeat of the Palestinians and, and Iran. Uh, the question is why, and I think the answer is quite simple. The, the Sunni camp in the Middle East is weak. Uh, the clearest example is that two Sunni strong powers, such as Turkey and uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, tried to remove Assad from power, and they failed. Uh, I think also those countries, the Sunni bloc, is afraid of a rising Iran, uh, which was strengthened by the nuclear deal uh, between the United States and, and, and Iran, uh, that uh, unfortunately did not link uh, 
this deal to any Iranian behavior, and uh, they continue uh, their mischief uh, as, as before. Uh, a third uh, factor is, of course, the exit of the U.S. from the Middle East. Uh, Obama is not seen as a reliable ally. He's seen as a weakling, uh, betraying uh, his friends, his allies. Uh, therefore, uh, they need us. We are a strong power. Egypt needs us for fighting, of course, in Sinai. Uh, the Islamists, uh, the Gulf countries buy uh, from Israel over a billion dollars uh, of um, <coughs> Israeli products a year. Uh, and uh, we see that uh, Israel is, in, is their only hope to forestall Iranian hegemony. You know, can you imagine that, you know, a Wahhabi state that uh, doesn't have uh, very good views of Jews uh, sees Israel as the only hope to survive against uh, a nuclear uh, Iran? You know, I pity those guys. Uh, those elites do not care about Palestinians. Uh, and uh, we may see, maybe, uh, you know, that they might be convinced to uh, to sponsor some kind of regional track uh, in order uh, to have a process uh, that uh, they will feel better about. Uh, this will, of course, uh, make the life of Israel easier. Uh, but uh, we should uh, not have high expectations. The Saudis in particular will not uh, come out uh, of the closet, uh, if I may use this term, and uh, this part of the world still has very bad views about Jews. Uh, it's, uh, they have uh, anti-Jewish stereotypes. And I'll finish with uh, one clear uh, example. Uh, my colleague, uh, General Amidror, uh, Yaakov Amidror, appeared together with Prince Turkey of, so of Saudi Arabia at the Washington Institute, where Prince Turkey said, you know, that uh, Arab brains and Jewish money will uh, bring about a new Middle East. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, of course, uh, view it as an anti-Semitic uh, statement, and this was uh, considered to be a compliment for us. So I'll end on this happy note, and I'm ready to take questions. Catherine, can you please uh, inform our callers how to call in? Thank you. Yes, the question-answer period will now begin, and we invite your participation. As a reminder, if there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. To join the question-answer queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to identify yourself when your line is unmuted, please do so. Please remember, if you have your phone on mute, you'll need to take it off mute when you are selected to ask your question. Again, to join the question-answer session queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We have one caller on the line. We will take your question now. Caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when your line is unmuted. Hello, this is Linda Caro speaking. Uh, it seems to me that the Arabs are putting on a charm offensive to get Israel to accept the Arab peace plan with modifications this time. Uh, first, 
uh, with Turkey El Faisal's U.S. speaking tour, and then the speakers from the various Arab states at the Herzliya conference recently, uh, they specifically emphasized one peace deal with the entire Arab world and normalized relationships. Henry Kissinger said at Herzliya that such a deal is ill-advised and individual deals are a better solution. I don't like to see Israel give up land but support Daniel Pipe's no-state plan, except I think Israel should keep Gaza, encourage the Arabs to leave, and destroy the terrorist infrastructure. Uh, now, recently we saw the UNRWA workers fired for incitement against Israel, and Israel and Turkey settling their differences, as you've explained. Um, what do you think about all this? Are they related? First of all, we should uh, realize that uh, the Netanyahu government has accepted uh, the idea of negotiating uh, with uh, the Arab League or the Arab world uh, their initiative, uh, uh, which was uh, so far uh, offered to us as a take uh, or leave it uh, proposition. So uh, uh, we are ready to negotiate. Uh, negotiations, you know, can take years. And uh, what uh, <laughs> probably what they have in mind and what we have in mind is uh, negotiations. And we can negotiate for uh, a long period of time. Uh, I don't think that uh, we are able to reach an agreement uh, in which uh, the Palestinians will say yes. Uh, but uh, obviously negotiating peace uh, is not uh, so terrible so far the government uh, Israeli government have negotiated for many years and uh, uh, negotiations make our diplomatic position easier thank you and we'll take our next question now caller when you hear your line is unmuted if you wish to identify yourself please do so and please ask your question. Uh, this is Bill Kaminar from Los Angeles. And my question is, uh, do you believe that the Sunni Arab world is sufficiently weak relative to the Shiites that, um, that the nascent uh, cooperation, alliance, whatever it's called, with uh, Sunni Arab countries will uh, strengthen? Uh, the Sunni world is very weak, and uh, they do not rely any longer on uh, an American security umbrella. Uh, this uh, pushes them uh, closer to Israel. Uh, but uh, at the same time, we see a freer hand uh, uh, of uh, Iran and the Shiite bloc, which uh, has been helped also by, by Russia. Russia sided with Assad and actually helped uh, stabilize, to some extent, uh, the area under its control. Uh, I'm not sure the Russians want a reunited uh, Syria, which is not uh, a thing that can happen. Uh, but uh, the goal of uh, maintaining the Assad regime has largely been uh, achieved. Uh, the Iranians have many resources 
some resources were freed as a result of the nuclear deal, and they continue to uh, meddle in the affairs of, of uh, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and, and Yemen. Uh, this struggle will continue. It's not clear yet what uh, will happen in the future. The Arab states, uh, Arab status structure is weak. Two states have actually disappeared, Iraq and Syria. Uh, Lebanon as a state disappeared some time ago. Uh, we see several, uh, you know, Libya disappeared as a state. So uh, we cannot be sure that even a state like Saudi Arabia will be able to maintain uh, its statist uh, structure, particularly if the Iranians will uh, destabilize uh, Bahrain, uh, will destabilize the eastern province of, uh, of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, which is largely Shiite, and uh, they will be able to Finlandize uh, you know, uh, this area. Uh, but isn't so, that my uh, question? The future is not clear. But isn't that my question? Because to the extent that the Saudis and maybe some other Sunni countries become desperate, they'll look around for any ally they can get, and maybe that will push them into a closer relationship with, uh, with Israel. Do you think that's a possibility? I don't think that uh, uh, we'll be able to see any time soon uh, diplomatic relation between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Uh, we may see uh, closer cooperation in counterterrorism, in things that can be done under the table. Uh, don't forget that they have uh, uh, also a Russian option, a Chinese option, uh, with Americans getting out. So um, they have uh, Israel is uh, not their only option, and we see actually the Russians uh, uh, and the Saudis uh, trying to do business together. We see Egypt being pushed by American, you know, lack of uh, strategic foresight into Russian hands. So uh, the Russians are returning to the Middle East, and they may serve as uh, some kind of uh, umbrella against Iran. That would be very useful and very interesting development. I don't know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's Israel, after all, is a small country, and we are not going to fight. Uh, to preserve Saudi Arabia. Thanks. Thank, thank you for your question, sir. And as a reminder, if there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. If you would like to pose a question and join the question-answer queue, you would press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to identify yourself when your line is unmuted, please do so. Remember to have your phone. If you have your phone on mute, you'll need to take it off mute when you are selected to ask your question. Again, to enter the queue, you would press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Catherine, I see there are no callers in the queue. Uh, I would, will go ahead and ask a question. Um, yes, Professor Imbar, uh, Egypt's president, al-Sisi, bravely challenged the clerics of Egypt's Al-Azhar University to reform Islam. Now, Saudi Arabia, as among the regional neighbors who've made overtures to Israel, still have the pronouncements from their Saudi clerics that are venomous towards Israel and Jews. Do you anticipate any circumstances evolving in this uh, thawing that would cause the Saudi rulers to similarly challenge the rhetoric from their imams? Uh, I doubt that very much. Uh, any change uh, in Islam, it's a long process. 
uh, I don't think that the current uh, ulema, the learned, you know, uh, the learned rabbis uh, mm-hmm. are going to sanction uh, open and better relations uh, with Israel. Uh, the legitimacy of the Saudi regime depends on uh, uh, the legitimacy uh, lent by uh, those religious figures. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, we should uh, be realistic in our expectations what can be done with uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, it will take uh, generations until they'll be able to change their views about Jews and Israel. Uh, we have a clear example, uh, Egypt. We signed a peace treaty with Egypt in 1979. And there is no uh, true normalization in relations, despite the commonality of strategic interests. How many Egyptians uh, are coming to Israel as visitors? How many Israelis are going there? Uh, their uh, books on Israel uh, have not changed. Uh, so uh, there are limits to uh, the clone- closeness between Israel and uh, those Arab countries. Uh, Turkey was an exception because it was ruled by uh, secularists and there was uh, a possibility to to view Israel differently, Uh, but uh, most of the other countries, uh, the anti-Jewish sentiment is uh, very deep and will take uh, a long time to change it. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll take our next caller now. Caller, if you wish to identify yourself, you may do so when your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, Professor Inbar. Thank you for your presentation. This is uh, Jerry Stern uh, calling, uh, calling in with a question. Uh, you mentioned earlier in your presentation that uh, Israel does about a billion dollars of trade with the Persian Gulf states. I was um, rather surprised at that, at that number, how large it is. Would you be able to uh, be a little more specific um, in terms of which countries in the Persian Gulf are uh, trading with Israel and what, what those materials are, what kind of, um, uh, you know, are, are they foodstuffs or are they uh, uh, durable goods? What kind of goods are, are being traded between the two countries, uh, uh, but between, the, uh, all, between Israel and the Persian Gulf uh, states, rather? First of all, uh, there is no, uh, you know, clear data, uh, you know, about it. This is an evaluation uh, because uh, usually uh, uh, our exports are not marked as made uh, in Israel. We are pragmatic people, and if they want to buy a product, we are ready to package it as they want. Uh, we see a lot of uh, Israeli businessmen going to the Gulf. Uh, selling all kind of uh, things from, you know, electronic. We are startup nations. They understand it. Uh, they buy uh, um, <coughs> uh, computer uh, software. Uh, they buy uh, solar energy uh, uh, technology. Uh, of course, uh, they buy uh, um, medical uh, stuff. Uh, we see in Israel also uh, many uh, people coming from the Gulf uh, to be patients in our hospitals. Even, you know, all anti-Semites want a, a Jewish doctor and, or a Jewish lawyer, so they are not that different. Uh, uh, there is a 
uh, I don't have a clear breakdown of our products, uh, but even agricultural, uh, you know, tomatoes and eggs, Israeli eggs are being sold uh, to the Gulf uh, via, via Jordan. Okay, and so which, which Gulf states in particular are, are conducting? Uh, I'm talking Kuwait, uh, Bahrain, uh, United uh, Arab Emirates, uh, of course Oman, uh, all of them do business with Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, actually in, in many countries uh, uh, you can even uh, come with an Israeli passport. Mm-hmm. They make the arrangements needed you know, to accept an, an Israeli passport. Of course, they prefer if you come with a foreign passport. Some Israelis have dual citizenship, so it's easier for them. But if somebody, they want somebody and you insist to come with your uh, uh, Israeli passport, and I know of such cases, uh, they will uh, be uh, pragmatic enough and they'll uh, accept you with an Israeli passport. And they will give you, uh, you know, <laughs> escort if needed. Right. I noticed you had, did not mention Yemen or Saudi Arabia as trading partners. Or, but you did say I'm that talking about the, uh, the Gulf states. Uh, Saudi Arabia is more difficult, but I don't know if you are aware, you know, uh, all uh, F-15 have Israeli-made wings all over the world. <laughs> F-16s, excuse me. So uh, that's, uh, you cannot, you know, be in a modern world without having an Israeli component in some of your equipment. Thank you. They know it. Okay, we are coming to the end of our half hour, but we do have one more question in the queue, and we'll take that. Catherine? Thank you. And caller, if you hear that your line is unmuted, you may identify yourself if you would like, and go ahead with your question. This is Bill Commoner from Los Angeles, and thank you again. Thank you for taking my second question. And I was quite interested in your (laughs) comment that... um, uh, Brexit uh, might be a pro, might lead to a pro-Israeli result. Could you uh, discuss that notion better or further? Could you uh, d- discuss whether or not uh, the decline in the European Community, which this is certainly an element of it, uh, would be a uh, positive sign, positive result? Uh, it's quite clear that uh, Israeli bilateral relations with, with many European countries uh, are much better than uh, the relationship between Israel and the European Union as an institution, which is run uh, by Brussels and the bureaucrats in Brussels. Uh, we have excellent rela- bilateral relations with the French, uh, with the Brits, with, with the Germans, of course. Uh, but when the European Union as an institution has to make decisions concerning Israel, uh, usually the more uh, anti-Israeli position is being adopted. Uh, Therefore, uh, it's quite clear that uh, each separate country, if it is really independent uh, in its uh, foreign policy making, would have better relations with Israel than the European Union as a whole, uh, which uh, has been dominated by uh, countries like uh, the position on Israel dominated by countries like uh, Sweden or uh, Belgium, which are uh, very anti-Israeli. So uh, in terms of bilateral relations between Israel and Britain, it will uh, uh, become uh, much better uh, because uh, Britain will be no longer burdened 
uh, by uh, the uh, decisions that have to be uh, uh, made uh, in unanimity uh, at, at Brussels. Uh, so uh, in this respect, we, if there will be additional exits from Europe, we should expect better relations with those countries. Very interesting. Thank you for your comment. Well, we've reached uh, 2.32. We are at the end of our time together. The Middle East Forum would like to thank Professor Imbar for his briefing today and to our participants for calling in. This concludes our conference call. Good day to everybody. <laughs>